Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. Thank you for coming and listening once again. I have with me an incredible guest, Aaron Zucker out of Charlotte, North Carolina, Zucker Investment Group, Zig. When he's zigging, you're zagging. But you know what? You want to be keeping up with his zigs because he's doing amazing things over here. A little background on Aaron. You know, he started Zucker Investment Group back in December of 2018, which is a real estate investment company. And, you know, I'd love to hear a little more from Aaron himself because I'm sure he could describe himself a little better than anyone. So, Aaron, why don't you give us a little of your background? Sure. So, as you mentioned, uh, I live in Charlotte. I'm originally from here. Grew up, born and raised. Went to the University of Alabama for school and got my first taste of, of retail real estate and entrepreneurship at the same time there. Some friends and I did what uh, all the college kids uh, eventually do, talk about opening a bar. Uh, the only <laughs> difference was is that we were crazy and stupid enough to do it, so we did it. So that was in April or May of 2010, so the end of my junior year. We uh, basically turned around this failing bar and we're having fun doing it, And but we were working hard. And when we were working hard, one of the results kind of yielded into us walking down the street because our landlord was that close to us. And I walked the rent check down one day and it was like 10 in the morning on a weekday and I had to slip it underneath his door because he wasn't there. And so I got back and I asked my partners and, and a couple other of our staff, I said, hey, what's the deal with our landlord? He's not there. Like the middle of a, of a workday and I'm, I've got his money. Like you would think he'd be there to gladly collect it. And somebody said, Oh no, that guy's got like 400 properties around town. He's out on the golf course all the time. I said, you know, I'm working really hard to pay this guy rent. Maybe I need to shift my focus and become the landlord. So that was sort of my first taste of both entrepreneurship while I was in school, getting my real education as, as a lot of people like to put it, right. coupled with uh, exposure to retail real estate and, that piqued my interest. And then eventually after college, I was fortunate enough to land a job in Atlanta with DLC management and retail leasing, phenomenal mm-hmm. education. But those guys had an opportunity thereafter to move back to Charlotte, which is, I thought I'd never leave. I was with Phillips Edison and company, which was a great opportunity. They gave me an opportunity to lease more shopping centers that were definitely value add tertiary and secondary markets, mm-hmm. a lot of vacancy, which I looked at as opportunity. And at the time, you know, I, I was just excited to be able to make a commission, whether if it was a 1,200 square foot nail salon or, or it could have been a big box retailer or anything in between. I was just excited to have vacancy and to put my name on a sign and, and go out there and hunt and find deals. So my background is exclusively in retail leasing. And then in 2016, three years after I moved back to Charlotte saying, I'm never leaving, this is home, I moved uh, to South Florida, Boca Raton to be specific, and was really lucky. That was sort of my breakthrough job to land with a company called Peb Enterprises, family office there who owns shopping centers and office buildings in 12 states. They kind of gave me the reins to running the leasing team. Uh, the company allowed me to kind of be in the room when a lot of high level decisions were being made. So I went from just being a leasing guy, which was certainly my core role within the organization, but to being you know exposed into the room when we were deciding whether or not to hire someone or let someone go or Mm-hmm. refinance the property or purchase one or sell one. And so I realized that there was more to the game than leasing. And they allowed me to be in the room and have my 
vote on matters that was instrumental to my development. I'm forever grateful for it. And, you know, after a few years, I'd kind of come to the inflection point in my career where I knew enough to be dangerous, but still had an overwhelming amount of ambition and decided to go out on my own. So that's when I started Zig in December of 18. Okay. So Zig and, and, you know, you took all that experience that you had in leasing and, and then with Peb going through, but you know, at one point, obviously you said you had enough knowledge to be dangerous, but there was a certain point that you're like, Hey, I got to, just the entrepreneurship in you, just I got to go off on my own and start something on your own. And you, and you are on your own, right? Do you have, you have a team working with you on this or it's primarily? I've got, I've got a great intern who's awesome guy named Ben Eblen down. He's quarantined with his family in a different state right now. So the dynamics between us are a little bit different than either of us would prefer, I'm sure. But uh, no, for the most part, it's really just me. I, I say that I have phenomenal partners who are investors Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people in the industry who are young, aggressive brokers all the way up to family, friends using IRA money to use as an alternative investment vehicle. And then I really don't make any high level decisions on the property with in any property or any acquisition without talking to the alliances that I have in the industry. I would say, mm-hmm. you know, aside from leasing and probably even more so than leasing, my biggest competitive advantage is my Rolodex and knowing great people like you. Mm-hmm. And you're buying retail properties, right? So you own, you own six properties currently since, correct. or you have owned um, yeah. since December 18th. So we're talking about in a period of less than 18 months, okay? A guy who's, you know, not yet 30. I'm right? 31 actually. Okay, 31. But when you started, you're I'm not yet old. 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I was like 28, I think, when I, 29 maybe. I, I think it was 28 right when I signed it. Yeah, 29. Let's go back. Let's backtrack a little bit because I'm, I'm very curious about that bar that you owned. Not not so much about the bar itself, but about the about that business. So you were in college and you were yeah. you know simultaneously with some of your friends running a business and like you said turned around a non-functioning or you know under-functioning bar and made it a successful business. Yeah, that was that was the goal. I think the biggest advantage that we had going into that venture is that we didn't know anything. And that we were so negligent to the risk that it didn't matter. Because if I knew what I knew now, back then I wouldn't have done it. Right. So uh, I think it's exactly what it sounds like, Yona. It was just guys having fun, doing what they, you know, we basically, it was a marketing stick. I mean, we went out. Uh Yeah, we we begged all of our friends and fraternities and sororities and athletes and everybody we could to come into the bar and just have fun and buy drinks and don't do anything overly stupid. You know, people will often ask me like sophisticated questions about the business and it wasn't, there was nothing sophisticated about the operation. It was really in a time where, you know, like right now entrepreneurship is really cool. At the time I didn't look at it like we were being entrepreneurial or that we were entrepreneurs. We just thought it was a good idea and it was cool to say that we owned a bar and we wanted to make sure we didn't lose money. That's Pretty obviously much important, uh, very important aspect of the business. So what, what was one, one thing you know, looking back that you learned from that experience, you said, you know, you, you didn't know anything when you started it, but obviously you learned on the job, right? Yeah. The biggest piece of advice that I would relay to anybody who's listening to this is don't let school get in the way of your education. Because I learned so much more in the year and change that I was in school while we owned it than I did in the four years of university and the 14 years of high school, middle school and elementary school leading Mm -hmm. up to it. That's just the fact of the matter. 
Now, albeit I wasn't like a pre-med or, or an accounting uh, degree major, you know, I was a right. communications guy. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. I, I think about my family's lineage. It probably makes more sense in hindsight that I ended up becoming an entrepreneur, but that, I don't know. That's just my story. That's incredible. Okay. So now let's fast forward. So now you're, you're Zig, you're in 2020, you're in the, uh, you know, coronavirus COVID pandemic mm-hmm. and you have retail property. So what type of properties do you own? Which, which retail properties? But I'm really single tenant. So single so, tenant properties. Yeah. Okay. And that's, and that's not by design. I think the, I spent probably an equal amount of time chasing small unanchored multi-tenant deals with the value add component mm-hmm. as well as single tenant net lease deal. I think it's totally coincidental that the first six that I've bought have been single tenant. I think in this environment, I'm even more bullish on multi-tenant than I was before. And I think there's going to be more opportunities for it. So I hate that my website only yields single tenant stuff because I don't want brokers or really anybody that may have a property to sell me to think that that's only what I'm chasing because I'm very bullish on multi-tenant as well. But the profile of the tenants, I've got a medical user, we're redeveloping a in a joint venture with a great developer in Charlotte, Rayleigh Miller Properties, we're redeveloping a vacant Kentucky fried chicken and converting it to an American family care, which I'm actually the franchisee for. So oh, wow. that's, okay. a, that's a whole nother story within itself. And then um, a couple of restaurant guys like Pizza Hut on the border. We owned a Chipotle for about seven months that we recently sold actually that you did the cost seg for, which in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have done a cost seg for knowing that we're going to own it in seven months. And then what am I missing? Oh, and then we own uh, in a joint venture with Conover South. We own a great piece of property in Cincinnati where Lululemon, the uh, apparel retailer who I'm actually supporting while doing this interview with you, uh, right. store in Cincinnati as a retail condo. Amazing. So you're obviously, like you said, bullish on the retail part. I think a lot of people right now are reconsidering what is happening in the retail world. You know, for years, there's been this kind of the buzz going around and, you know, anyone who's educated enough to actually look at the numbers instead of look at the news and the media, will see that it's not what it sounds like, right? The retail apocalypse, obviously there were a lot of big box and a lot of big, you know, large corporations that were having trouble and went to bankruptcy and all kinds of stuff like that and still happening today. But at the same time, there are a lot of small businesses and, and you know, small retailers regional chains and whatnot that are actually thriving. But now things have totally flipped upside down. What's your outlook on, on that going forward? I mean, you mentioned being bullish on the multi-tenant retail properties. I am. Look, there's inevitably going to be some serious change in casualties as a result of this. There's, there's no denying that. I'm still very bullish on it from an acquisition perspective because I feel that good real estate is good real estate. And 90 days ago, if I wanted to buy a well-located multi-tenant strip with strong credit, it was 100% lease and it was at a six cap. Well, in today's environment, maybe it's 65% lease because it only takes one tenant going away to make it 65% lease, right? Mm-hmm. And I can buy that on in-place income of, of higher than a six cap, maybe seven, seven and a half, eight. I'm negotiating a deal right now that's in the eights, that's well-located, that's 50% lease. I think that, yes, as long as you are conservative in your underwriting and thinking that there's going to be probably a little bit of a reset in rents, A, and B, it's going to take you a little bit of time to, to lease it up, mm-hmm. and you've got the appropriate reserve, reserves and deal structure put together, you can really hit some nice doubles, triples, and home runs in this environment down the line. And this is the time to be in acquisition mode. You know, I've been talking a big game the last couple of years, even before I went out on my own. When this next recession comes, 
I'm going to go on a buying spree. I'm going to go on a buying spree. Well, it's time for me to put my money where my mouth is and execute because I feel like this could be that opportunity. I'm not going to let a stone go and turn that makes sense for Zig. I hear you. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, although the, just to, you know, play the other side, there's a lot of business that have been struggling and, and have gone under during this crisis. And it may take a while until economies and states start opening up again and, different retailers obviously depending on what type of retail you're catering to as a as a mm-hmm. as a landlord will obviously change the dynamic of the customers coming in or or not coming in or what have you without question in order to buy at these aggressive rates that cap rates i, I mean and buyer favorable purchase prices comes risk and that comes down to how can you operate the property mm-hmm. so a lot of the single tenant, multi-tenant net lease guys that are playing in the same five, six, seven million dollar and under space that I am, typically those buyers aren't even in the business, right? They're not like you and I and that live, eat, breathe, and, and sleep commercial real estate on, on a day in, day out basis. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I feel like my background and specifically retail leasing sort of gives Zig a competitive advantage because even though I may or may not be the best leasing guy out there, I certainly know I'd like to think enough to be dangerous. And I have connections with the top tenant rep and landlord rep brokers throughout the country from Minnesota to Texas to Florida, the mid Atlantic and everywhere in between. So it's, it's certainly a gamble, but we're, we're far under leveraged. Uh, We're not over leveraged, I guess I should say. And Mm -hmm. we underwrite deals conservatively and, Sometimes it, we kill deals because they don't pencil, but it's a risk that I personally am willing to stomach. And because not as many other people are, is why I feel like you know basic supply and demand yield the opportunities that Zig has, along with other sophisticated groups uh, in this space. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Well, listen. I wish you the best of luck with that. I think there's, like you said, it comes with the risk. And if you're willing to take that, and you know your business, and you're confident in that, I think you have, like you said, the competitive advantage that a lot of other landlords don't have so well one thing we're definitely going to do is we're going to maximize our tax opportunities by having a phenomenal cost set guide do you happen to know anybody i'll uh, i'll put in a good word for you thanks <laughs> okay aaron it's time for our final four you ready to jump into that i'll give you the best shot i got <laughs> okay we're going to tip off uh um, right. what, what was the worst job that you ever had i was a pizza delivery boy in high school that was tough to stomach because that required weekend nights and smell my car and myself smelling like pizza grease. <laughs> uh, that and being a bar owner in college, right? Because that was the most fun job I've ever had, but also had many downsides like being up until three or four in the morning cleaning or having everybody and their mother asking you for free drinks when right. you're in business to make a profit. So <laughs> I would say those two. So combine them a uh, pizza delivery bar you probably wouldn't do in the future, huh? No, the pizza delivery boy thing, I would like to think that ship has sailed. <laughs> what was the worst job you ever had? Everybody wants to know this now that you've asked me. Now that I've asked you, um, the worst job that I ever had was probably, you know, I, I would have to think about that. I was probably the best and the worst was being a camp counselor. Okay. Because I loved it. I love, you know, kids. I love, you know, working with other people and, you know, summer camp was the best, but at the same time it was, there were some things about it that was just a a nightmare. 
<laughs> I did that one summer too. And I, I can attach, I, I will second everything that you just said. I already know exactly what you mean without having to hear the words. I get it. Yeah. Well, it definitely taught me a lot of lessons for, for now having teenage kids and, uh, sure. and having to deal with, with teenagers. But yeah, so that was, it was my worst job. So I don't have to go on your podcast now. It's perfect. You already answered that. Uh, no, we'll I'm just kidding. Find <laughs> we'll find room for it. <laughs> okay. So question number two, what was a book that has given you a paradigm shift? So made you think about something differently. There's no way I could answer that question with just one. Okay. So I think business related, like really micro in our industry, Investing in Retail Properties by Gary Rappaport was sort of a, it was even more than a template for how I've structured deals. And anybody who's ever interested in owning commercial real estate in general, I mean, you could remove the word retail and insert whatever asset class you're interested in, I Mm -hmm. think is a read that I would strongly recommend. Entrepreneurship wise, you can't leave out Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Phenomenal story, phenomenal book. I could not put it down. So I'll give you those two. Okay. But that answer would maybe change tomorrow. I don't know. I, I've got a lot on there. It's a well, great listen, question. It's like this. The way I look at it is that you can read any book and it can give you a paradigm shift. So you may read another book next week that will make you change the way you thought about who knows what, something else. And, and that's the beauty about education, about learning and being a constant life learner is that you're trying to, to see things differently because you know if you, if you think the same way and you see things the same way, then you're going to miss opportunities. For sure. Reading's changed my life. There's no, no question about it. It's absolutely changed my life for the better. Give me a book that I should add to my list. You got one offhand? I have a great book. It's actually a book called, maybe I'll send it to you. I have your address now. Actually, I know You're where you address. <laughs> you got me right where you want me. <laughs> it's a great book. It's actually called As Long As I Live. So it's a, it's a biography of a, a guy named Aaron also shares your name, Aaron Margalit. Yeah, Aaron Margalit. It's an incredible life story. A guy who had, you know, was in an accident when he was three and then he became deaf. He had polio and then he was in a coma basically like for, for years and then he came out of it and he was like a vegetable. And then he got, it's an incredible story of overcoming challenges. And, and wow. then he was extremely successful real estate investor and business owner after that. And, so many things. And then he had cancer and he overcame cancer three times. It's just an incredible story. So that's the book I, I recommend. Okay. I'm going to definitely pick that up. As long Time as I live. live. If, I, if, it, if it doesn't get to you first. Okay. So the fourth, or do we skip the third question? The third question is what skill or talent would you like to learn? So going into starting my own company, I was very nervous about being able to pick up in the financing and the debt side. And I've picked up on that better than I would have expected. One thing that I still like for whatever, maybe it's my inability to like, I, I suck at home projects. Like I'm not like the, I'm not a good, like hands-on worker. I am ashamed at how little I know about construction. I mean, I'm walking through a redevelopment project and I, I couldn't tell you the difference between a sill and a soffit. I, I, I don't know anything about the mechanics of construction. I know, Basically that HVACs die after like 15, 20 years and roofs have warranties and not a whole lot else. Like I got to get better about construction. There's, right. there's just no two ways around it. Especially, I mean, you're, you're doing, like you said, you're doing a de- redevelopment project of a Kentucky Fried Chicken. So I have a JV partner on that for this exact reason. 
one of my strengths is that I don't know what I don't know, and I find people who do whenever I need to be. So like I would say it's a perfect opportunity, you know, that you have a partner to take advantage of that opportunity to, to well, for learn sure. from them. You'll, you'll be blown away by this. I didn't know what a cost seg was two years ago. Well, I'm glad I changed that. I did that. not know what you did. I didn't even know what you did existed two years ago. Didn't even, and my accountant said, hey, we got to do a cost seg uh, when, I, when I bought my first deal. And I said, Jason, don't tell anybody, but what's a cost? <laughs> and he, he, he told me the benefits. We did it. And then I got on LinkedIn and this guy just kept on talking about cost segs over and over and over again. And, and it was you. And by the way, this is the longest answer to any of the questions you've probably ever gotten. But kudos to you because you are the only person in the space that is putting themselves out there the way that you are, at least that I'm aware of. And I'll tell you a funny story. I got a letter in the mail from a cost seg person out of Chicago for a property I bought in Troy, Alabama. And I name all of my properties Zig, Insert City, LLC. LLC, right. So this person wrote me a handwritten note and addressed Dear it. Dear Zig blank Dear, LLC. Dear Troy. They oh, thought God. my name was Troy Zig. Troy Zig was my name. So anybody who's considering Yona's services, uh, I, I can't strongly recommend as a past client and soon to be future. In fact, I've got a property that we need to talk about offline, but I, I just totally commend you for everything that you're doing in your space. So congratulations on all your successes and I'm looking forward to continue to see you guys grow. I appreciate that. Thanks so much, Aaron. Uh, all the checks in the mail. No. So what I really wanted to, you know, the amazing thing is, and I pointed this out before, and this just goes to anyone listening about personal branding and about the power of LinkedIn. So Aaron says how much I talk about cost irrigation. I post, I post every single day on LinkedIn pretty much, except the weekends and holidays. But you would be surprised that I, about 10% or so of what I post is actually about cost irrigation. So that just goes to show you, but it doesn't matter because once you've branded yourself, and people know you as that guy. Every time they see your name, they relate you with that. So they assume that you're always talking about, you know, what your business True. is, what you do. Guilty, and, for sure. No, and that's the power, but that's incredible, you know, strategy. And, you know, thank God that I've, you know, kind of mastered that skill. And, yep. um, you know, to Absolutely. the audience yeah. and everyone that has engaged with me for that. But yeah, just incredible piece of advice for LinkedIn and for marketing in general. You don't have to be talking about what you do. If you do a, even a small percentage of time, people will still relate to you as that. So we're going to get to the fourth and final question here, which is what does success mean to you? Being able to do whatever I want, wherever I want, with whoever I want. That's it. If I want to take a few days off to hang out with my friends or family or whatever it may be, or to go do some philanthropic work, and I've set myself up and my company up in a position to be able to do that and it can run itself, that is clear, true, defined success to me. And that's what motivates me every day to get up and get going and, and get to that point. Incredible. Thank you so much, Aaron. And where can our listeners find you? LinkedIn, just Aaron Zucker. I'm, I look like this. <laughs> uh, my website's zuckerinvestmentgroup.com. And I am on Instagram, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N dot Zucker, Z-U-C-K-E-R. Would love to connect with anybody out there who's interested in talking about retail real estate or anything they'll like. Awesome. Thanks so much, Aaron. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time out today. And, you know, to all our listeners, thanks again for joining us on Weiss Advice. And remember, 
the best advice only comes when you ask. Thanks for having me. Great advice. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.